Hello there. Um, this is Reese just dropping in very, very quickly. Um, when we recorded the episode last week, um, we had a bit of a technical difficulty um, where we lost some recordings and it was a bit of a nightmare for us, for Dave, our host, and for Sam, our editor as well. Um, so if the second half is a bit kind of out of sync or, or there's stuff missing, then please do. Uh, we do apologise greatly, um, but we promise that we'll try and fix it for the next time. So this won't happen again and enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Jumpcast, the podcast from the award-winning team behind Jumpcut Online. My name is Dave, your host for today's episode, and I am joined today by Reese and Chris. Hello, guys. Hello. How are you? Too bad, not too bad. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. That's good. Uh, On today's episode, we will be discussing our most iconic moments in cinema because literally there's nothing else to discuss right now because there's no new films. Unless you guys have watched Trolls World Tour, either of you? I have, that? No, I have. I have mm. watched it this morning, yeah. Did you? I did, my little lad, yeah. Okay, give us a few lines, because, you know, uh, it's, it's always good to review something. A mini review, very fun, very bright, very poppy. It's just, just good fun. It is good. Is it as good as the first one? On par, Which I think it is, yeah. I've and never seen the first one. So. Ooh. It's actually all. It's actually all right. It's actually all right. And I haven't got kids or anything. I just watched it with my wife, who really, really liked it. So she's really looking forward to the second one. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Worth it. Yeah. Well, I will pass that on to her. Straight um, from me. Good. Yeah, there you go. Jump exclusive. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Get that on the poster. Um. Have you guys been watching anything else or what have you been doing with your downtime, your isolation, self-quarantine time? Um, well, as a more of a topical film, yesterday I watched Contagion for the first time. Ooh. Oh, wow. You've you actually gone there. Yeah. I thought I might as well just live out my you know, personal fears about this whole thing in movie form. And Contagion is absolutely terrifying considering the current <laughs> climate. It was so scarily realistic. It was, you know, the accuracy in terms of not touching anything. It was a respiratory condition in the film. It was just, oh, it's horrifying. Is it one of those films that I, years ago, you watch it and think, yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. But now it's like, oh my God, that was accurate. I mean, there's like, there's points in the film when it does go beyond what we're experiencing. Like the death toll in the film is way higher than it is right now in the UK and in the world. But it's still frightening. And it, what I did like was the fact that it made a big deal about touching things. Like mm-hmm. it really focused on hands touching door handles and stuff. And that feels so real compared to today. Mm, yeah. yeah, you're a braver man than me. I tried to put the Netflix series on about the whole thing. Mm. Uh, and I just turned it off half 10 minutes. I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I can't, just can't watch this at the moment. Mm. So um, no, I'm staying clear of anything like that. I'm just trying to do happy, clappy, cheerful films and TV programs. That's uh, yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? Uh, I'm on season five of Columbo. I'm watching that. Don't <laughs> oh, laugh. Okay, Don't okay. Laugh. Uh, <laughs> one more, one more thing. Uh, your shoes. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm also watching for some reason John Travolta films. I'm really. Oh. I've, been, I've been following this on Twitter. And... I'm really getting into him. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Are we talking good John Travolta films or recent John Travolta films? Recent ones like you know Speed Kills and. A poison rose, you know the utter garbage. But you watched Gotti as well, didn't you? That was really good. I enjoyed that. Gotti yeah. is awful. 
And by, I, even I've seen that. By awful, you mean amazing. Yeah, great hair. Great I, hair. No, no. I had to watch it in Spanish and Italian as well. So. Oh, God. You see it three times? Yeah, I had to. I had to do some QCing on it at work. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. Cracking, yeah, up, cracking up in the beers there? Actually, yeah, it's a full fat coke actually because oh, I'm right. watching my weight. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> well, you are on you are on holiday now, right? Aren't you? Exactly, it's officially. Easter yeah. holiday. Do what you want, mate. Exactly. School's out uh, for a long time. Okay, <laughs> it's been so out for a while, and it's been it's very depressing. <laughs> yes, it's been eighty-seven years. Eighty-seven years. I hope not, Chris. Oh. No, it's not. All right. Uh, shall we get on to today's topic? Yes. Uh, first off, I'm just going to have to warn, we probably will go into spoiler territory. Um, it's just the nature of the animal, I'm afraid, everyone. <laughs> um, a lot of these, maybe we, what we're going to talk about will spoil films. Uh, so this is your warning. We will spoil lots of movies. Now, if you want to listen on, we will carry on. Uh, first question. What do you think makes icon- an iconic moment? Who wants to tackle this one? Uh, I think Reese does, actually. I think she said that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, oh, Chris, you go first. <laughs> um, what makes an iconic moment? Um, it's one of those things when, after you've seen the film, for me personally, it's always the bit when I say to my friends, oh, what about the bit when they did this? You know? Yeah. It's a moment that you can recall quicker than any moment in a film. Um, so like the ones I've got today are just my favourite moments in films but they're frequently not just like a three minute moment it's 20 minute scenes or whatever but it's just the thing that I recall the most when I've seen a film whether it's a lot of dialogue a scene on two characters an action sequence it's the thing that I remember the most about that film specifically mm. if that makes sense that does that pretty much nails what I was what I was feeling Chris have you got anything to add to that that's the podcast and I will uh, see you next week (laughs) thank you all thank you Uh, as you made Chris uh, Reese go there Chris what's your first pick oh um, Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, threw you threw you right in it (laughs) right in the deep end yeah Equim Reese's comment Um, I think my first pick is Doctor No 1962 Um, it's sort of a little mini scene at the start. We all know what I'm talking about by saying that. Sean Connery, um, those immortal lines, you know. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Say Eun- them. Yeah, Eunice Gason says, I admire your luck, mister. And then Sean comes along, lighting a cigarette. Bond. James Bond. James Bond. Cue the music, cue the atmosphere. And it's such a, such a small, little, pointless even moment, but it just sums up, uh, for me, an iconic moment. It sums up the man, the character, the film's, yeah. Everything about, you know, James Bond comes from that little moment in Doctor No, and that's one of my probably the most iconic moment for me because it means so much about the film and the series and you know Bond in general for me. Is is that the first time that he says the line Bond James Bond in the whole series? It is. It's yeah, the first time you see his there. face in the casino and uh, playing his uh, little Baccarat, I think it is or. I can't remember which one it is, but yeah, first time you introduce him, first time you see him. Cigarette hanging out of his mouth, casually, you know, back in the day. Just... Yeah, it was pretty fucking cool, isn't it, at that it, point? It is, it is. He looks pretty dapper. Just drops it, Bond, James Bond. And then the um, the, the theme tune kicks in, the little twangy guitar behind it, and it's just like, oh, if you could do that in a casino and get away with it, you'd be, oh, cool. Yeah, that is a cool scene. And the history, just, just from that one line that comes after it, is... Uh... Is it? It's, it's awesome mm. to be honest. Yeah, 
Is that your favourite Bond, Chris, the, the Doctor No, or is it not your favourite Bond? It's not my favourite. It's my favourite Sean Connery um, one, because it's uh, original, very simple, very unaware of what the series would become and what the character would become. So for that reason, I like Doctor No out of the Connery ones. But the favourite Bond for me is Licence to Kill. Oh, really? Yeah, Timmy Dalton. I, w- I won't try and segue this podcast into a Bond one, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's very easy to do for me, so I try and keep the brakes on, but yeah. Did you know? Did you know what originally we were meant to be reviewing on this this podcast? No time to die, was it? It was meant to be no time to die. So at least you've brought up. You can you know go on about Bond if you a little bit if you want, Chris. It's fine. I was really looking forward to it. I was like, wow, yeah, big film. And then oh no, sorry, I'm just, <laughs> just trying to compose myself. You know, it's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll have we'll review it again in November if yeah. it's so actually gets released. Two hundred and 20 days away, you know, it's fine. Counting down. <laughs> Can I reveal a bit of shocking information to you about me? You've never seen a Bond film? Um, no. However, uh, I've only seen a handful. Like, I would wow. say literally maybe six or seven of them. Oh, come on. I know. I now's, know. The, now's the year to watch them, Reese. Well, yeah, I do have all the time. Have you got anything to else watch. to do? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, which ones have you watched? I know this um, is going off pace a bit, but I've seen all of the Daniel Craig ones, and I've seen, I would think maybe two of the Brosnan ones. And I think that's literally it. Oh, so, so you're, you're the more modern. Die the day, and I've seen Tomorrow Never Dies. I think. Oh god. Oh, <laughs> and Die, I think Die of the Day was the one that I saw first in the cinema, as in the first James Bond was on the cinema. Yeah, so I've got a bit of a um, you know a soft spot for it, even though I do recognise it is ridiculous. Fair you haven't watched Goldeneye then, which is my personal no, favourite. I haven't. I think I'll... Goldeneye's a great one. Chris disagreeing again, but no, no, no. At least I'm, I'm just I'm in shock about uh, Reese's admission. You know, he's only seen like I know. Oh come on, not even seeing some of the, you know, the Connerys, the Roger Moore, Dalton. No, I know. Missing You've got one. some proper good sequences and iconic moments to get through. To be honest, uh, I don't want to ruin them for you, but there's a lot in there. Not they're not all good films, mm. but there are there are some strong stuff in there and there's some yeah, you know, I mean, stuff that you will remember to be 25 films old yeah <laughs> there's a few yeah. bits in there <laughs> yeah that's true um Reese, what is your what is your pick first pick knock it out of the park mate um so that was, this was the first one that came to mind when you said iconic cinema um yeah. and this harkens back to being a kid and watching this probably on vhs at home, my parents and my family and stuff. And it's the moment when um, the fences are turned off and you see a claw kind of hand on the top of a fence. Well, I'm going to and... scratch off my first one. But yes, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see all of the, the wires disappear. A goat has vanished. And yep. you see a T-Rex escape from its paddock in Jurassic Park. Um, to me, that is one of the most iconic sequences, at least of the last 30 years of film. Yeah. It's one of those things that in in 1993, it was groundbreaking and it still looks amazing today just from a visual standpoint. Oh, 93. I know. And then you even consider the fact that it's as effective today. It's still, you know, really tense. It's still scary. Mm. Um, And the the build-up and the pacing of just the film until that point and when you know that it's all going to kick off with the dinosaurs at some point, they kick it off with the biggest and the baddest of all the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And then combine that with all the, the CGI magic, 
with the uh, what's it called the actual practical effects of it and how cool the dinosaur head looks you know when it's crashing through the top of a car which i yeah. found out today actually from my friend emily she said that that glass when it breaks through the car window was never meant to break really? so oh. the kids were actually genuinely scared because they didn't <laughs> realize that happened which is i think quite a cool fun fact nice um, that's good fun fact. but yeah it did it's an amazing <laughs> moment and um and then you've got obviously you've got jeff goldham saving the day with his ripped shirt and a flare and the guy getting bit off a toilet seat and there's just so many little moments in it that all add up to one of the best things I've seen in um, a film in my entire life. Well, yeah, I totally agree. That was my, also my first pick. I just think it's an amazing scene. I um, well, I got to see it in the cinema when I was seven. Uh, I had to try and remember. But I was also at the point I had just had an operation on one of my legs, mm-hmm. weirdly. Uh, and it was an absolutely chock-a-block screening. And the only place to put me was um, in the disabled bit, obviously, mm-hmm. where you can fit your wheelchair. And my parents had to go somewhere else because it was such a, a busy screening. Uh, so, yeah, I scared the shit out of me and I had no one to, like, <laughs> hold my hand. And, <laughs> and my parents came back at the end and were like, did you enjoy that? And I was literally just like, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I watched the clip today. I just forgot how funny the clip is as well. Mm. Like, when the guy has to go to the toilet and Jeff Gangrel's like, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Uh, and a bit when he's trying to wipe off the steam or whatever it is they missed in um, in the car in the car but yeah. I just love I love when it starts with just the the vibrations and the glass mm-hmm. I just think that that image you could show anyone they're like oh that's Jurassic Park exactly it? yeah and it just gets louder and it's like oh. it gives me chills just thinking about it and just watching like yeah. fucking love this film and, and like, like sorry mate, you've just got the tension of when um when they have the torch and which is it's a very dumb moment but when Sam Neill is saying, turn the light off, turn the light off, yeah. like, he, just, he just goes through you because he's just like, that dinosaur's going to eat you alive, guys. Turn the damn light off. Yeah. It's, oh, I love it. And he's, <laughs> he's dropping all like, the, the, the bits of knowledge, like, don't move, we, we'll be fine if we don't move. And as exactly mm-hmm. says that, oh, what's her name, Lexi. Yep. Starts her... Thank you. Uh, starts her... Uh, I've been testing myself, Chris. Uh, starts... <laughs> uh, shining all the lights and stuff i think it's brilliant and this and the sound and the music and this the sound effects i think were like what was it a bear and a tiger and a lion all mixed mm-hmm. in together or something uh it works it's so, yeah that on a cinema screen is just yeah. no one as no one's ever got to see their chance to see that like on a big screen with a proper uh sound system you should do it i as saw it as in the, the re-release i think it was in 3d wasn't it about maybe six seven years ago how was it in 3D? Was it good? I'm not a big 3D kind of guy, but it was nice just watching the film that I've loved for so long on the big screen. Yeah. And I like bet. just you were saying about how, like, you know, just looking at the, the cup with the water mm. moving, rippling, sorry. There's even the shot when I think it's Sam Neill and Lexi. What's Sam Neill's name? Dr. Uh, Grant. Grant, thank you. Um, when he is like with Lexi by the car. And you see the T Rex kind of footprints go with the mud, and the mud all like moves yeah. around it. Mm. That moment, that shot is amazing, and just every, there's so many bits in that scene that are just so visually Icon- stunning, yeah. so iconic. Like the bit when the uh, the T Rex eye just starts oh. uh, next to the window when she's and shines the light onto it. The eye dilates. That is uh, a very nice touch. They knew what I they were doing with that scene. It's, it's, I said the detail. They knew what they were doing, what they were trying to achieve, and yeah. every little thing just works. So you just know it's 
a well thought out, well executed moment. Really don't. Mm. I think they got very lucky with the dinosaurs working, as in the animatronics. Yeah. Turned <laughs> I thought you like... meant well trained. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how they did it. <laughs> Beth Spielberg had like the same problem he had on Jaws and the, just the shark mm. never working. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that scene would have been quite the same. Uh, I mean, it would probably hit some spots like the goat going missing. I'll always mm. like the goat going missing. Yeah. Where's the goat? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it builds tension so well as well. Mm-hmm. well that's what T-Rex. Spielberg's great at, though, isn't it? Like he's since Jaws, he's been a master of just building up tension throughout an entire film until yeah. it eventually breaks. And I can't oh. stand it anymore. But love it. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great pick. That's annoying. Nick will be very happy that we've picked that one. <laughs> yeah, it's one of his eight films he's seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times as well. He might yeah. have had that one on, on VHS. <laughs> I'm sure uh, he has. I had it on VHS. So I got very excited because I uh, sneaked a peek one year at Christmas and took a bit of wrapping paper and saw it at Jurassic Park. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Don't pay me, tell my parents I did that. Um, so they will not be happy. Do you, do you mean Santa Claus rather than parents? No. Nope. Good. Well, <laughs> yeah. Spoilers ah. for your childhood, everyone. Sorry, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, Santa, Santa Claus got me something else. This is oh, one okay. was specifically from my mum and dad or so my aunt or someone like that. But yeah, Santa probably got me some socks. That's so, Santa classic. Oh. Santa classic, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do my pick, which was Jurassic Park, but now I'm not. Yeah. Uh, my pick is from the 1979 film Alien. Oof. Oh, from that, uh, the chest busting scene. Oh, which, yes. Uh, which I just watched again. I thought that is fucking horrific and brilliant <laughs> mm. at the same point. Uh, but the people who haven't seen Alien, it's a great film. One, it's probably maybe Ridley Scott's best. Uh, and it's, I don't know how to ex- explain what's going on. Anyway, at one point, these, I'm going to call them astronauts. They're not astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> Engineers, uh, are they? Engineers or whatever they are, are, it's set in the future. Jesus, this is why I don't describe films. Uh, <laughs> and one of them, they go for a, a little look about on this planet. Uh, they find this egg-looking thing, and something jumps out onto one of their faces Hit and sticks. It. That's also a really a good iconic moment. It is. Uh, yeah. And then uh, it sticks there for a while. And eventually it drops off and they think this uh, this guy's okay. Uh, Ripley, who is played by Scorny Weaver, wants to keep him in isolation for a bit longer, just in case. Which was, looking back on it now, is probably the right thing to do. Very topical <laughs> film, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And they're having breakfast, aren't they? And this yeah. guy's out there. And it's, I've just watched it. And um, they're all, they seem to be, he seems to be fine. Uh, and then all of a sudden he seems to be choking and not many people are taking it seriously at that point I have to say they're all still giggling and laughing uh, and then uh, he ramps up a bit uh, and he turns around and he falls back on the, the, the I would say it's a table it's a nice breakfast bar <laughs> in the future uh, Ikea's finest <laughs> yeah and there's this uh, uh, initial uh, hit of just blood on his shirt and there's a there's a massive cracking noise as well uh and then uh they all step back 
and then he wriggles around for a bit longer and uh an alien pops out of his chest <laughs> pretty <And that's>... much <laughs> it's like i was there <laughs> <laughs> don't have to see the film anymore no <laughs> but for me that that's probably the most iconic scene out of that franchise mm. um and it, it but... sets the it sets the tone it's fucking scary it is terrifying yeah. Uh, just you saying it then uh, I could relive it in my head each bit I was getting nervous mm. so, oh, I should say the, the actor the actor that it happened to was John Hurt was he that's it I think yeah. the character yeah, was, was the character called Kane have I imagined pulled that from somewhere um, but yeah it's have you guys both seen it I guess mm-hmm. I have indeed yeah good I, actually wrote, up... I wrote a review of it for Jump Cut like I want to say maybe two years ago um, as like a kind of a horror themed callback retrospective and I gave it five stars of course of course it's it's definitely a five star film so yeah but for me that's one of the most iconic uh, scenes it, it definitely it stands the test of time when you think of Alien that is the first thing that you mention isn't it yeah even if you're not trying to spoil it to someone you're like oh that's the one with the the alien bursts out the guy's chest isn't it and they're like oh uh, and I think when they actually filmed it, they didn't actually tell uh, the other actors what was going to happen. Yeah, I've heard that. Well. So, That's right, yeah. So the reactions are, are natural. They, I think they might, they upped the blood more than they were letting on because it, it sprays everywhere. Quite violently, yeah. Quite violent. And the noise, and the, I have to say, the alien doesn't look as brilliant now as it probably did in 1979. Especially the way it kind of slivers off at the end, mm. where it looks like it's on tracks, <laughs> and it looks like it grins. I think Spaceball, Spaceballs does a good parody of it. Oh, it's great! Spaceballs is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't. I don't think there's much music in it. It just builds the tension. Mm. Yeah, he's so he's he's so well at the beginning of it. He's so happy and chatting, and he's discussing what he would eat do first time they get home. He's like, I'm going to get some proper food, and then. Uh, all hell breaks loose and then after that the film just ramps up and gets scarier and scarier and turns into a proper little horror film to be honest I think what's quite good about it is that with the with the face hug a bit before that it's mm. like that's told the audience that something's gone wrong and you're just waiting for something to explode and then <laughs> you never expect it to come out in that way that fashion yeah yeah no. so it's it's pretty very very well executed from your boy Ridley um, yeah. But I would say that scene is probably one of the most iconic moments in any kind of horror film. Or if it's horror sci-fi, whichever one you prefer, you caught it. You know, when you think of a famous horror scene, that yeah. would be up in the top ten, I'm sure. Yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, It gave me nightmares when I first saw it when I was young. Mm. Um, I think everything, everything seemed to give me nightmares when I was little. <laughs> so... You're an easily susceptible child. Yeah, I don't know why I watched this, and I think I watched we watched Aliens way too young as well, um, and that really fucked me up for a while. See, so, I found Aliens is much less scary, I, I, but there are still some moments that are scary. To be fair, like the water bit—is that the first or the second one? When the alien the, jumps out the water behind him. That's the second one, I believe. That's the second one. Yeah, that yeah. that really scared me. The thing that scares me about the second one is it's just the the beep. Of the motion set, uh, detector they have. Oh, yeah. Even in the playing the, the computer games now, and that comes on, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like when you play an alien, uh, is it Isolation, the last it one? It is, yeah. And it, uh, they have that sound effect. It, it gives me gives me the 
goosebumps just thinking about it. That game is a game that I've never managed to complete because I could only play it in 20 minute bursts because I was just so scared of it. <laughs> Such a good game. Yeah, me, me too. I've never got to the end of it. <laughs> it's just uh, too dark. It was the second that... Because the, the alien learns how you play, doesn't it? Yes. So and... once... I think the first time that it was in an event for me, that's when I checked out and thinking, well, events are no longer safe, therefore I'm not playing the game ever again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still sitting on your pile of unfinished games. Yeah, it mine. is, yeah. yeah. I've got it on my PS4 still just waiting, but I just refuse to finish it because I know, and as someone who lives alone, that would just absolutely fuck me up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. So that's mine. Uh, let's go. Who again? Uh, Chris, let's go back to you. Number two. Uh, I think for me, it goes down to a piece of music and then possibly segues into a composer. Oh, this um, is different. And I think that's probably obvious. Going off the, the one film for me that the music is iconic. And in that term, iconic for me, it sums up again, like the bond, it sums up what the film's about, it sums up a franchise an idea, a vision, an actor, everything about those few minutes. Uh, and it's the Superman theme. Oh. oh. And then, obviously, I segue into John Williams. You've got every iconic theme tune that conjures up horror, suspense, action, comedy, under the sun. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's um, the Superman theme. I think that's an iconic piece of music, and i.e. cinema. Because it doesn't really lend itself to a specific moment, apart from when he you know, rips open his shirt and there's a Superman symbol. But... When you hear it over the opening titles, what it conjures up for me, it's just, I don't know, it's a very emotional bit of music, but very, very hopeful, very, I don't know, spine tingling, proud, emotional, triumphant. And that um, moment with the music matching him to Superman and what Superman's about, uh, Christopher Reeve, what he's about, what the whole film's about, Mm -hmm. the music speaks volumes for me. And I think that you can play it anywhere. And ever, well, I'd like to think a lot of people would know those moments of music. Oh, Superman. You know, the fanfare is yeah. Superman. Yeah. And yeah, for me, that's one of the iconic pieces for me. I'm also I'm amazed that um, in schools, kids still recognise it. Even when mm. we've got a new Superman theme with Man of Steel. Yeah. Like I, did, I remember I did a, a pub quiz in my form. And I played famous film themes. And they all recognised the Superman theme. And I, these are 11, 12-year-old children, you know? And they still yeah. know it. And it's still iconic today, which is quite an achievement from Mr. Williams. Well, I mean, it's not I, been on cinema for, I think, obviously the 80s, so 20, near 30 years. It's not been on the big screen, apart I, from the revised Superman Returns. But it's about to say, I think they used it on that. Um, I think John Williams has done, I'm a massive Star Wars fan, I think he's brilliant, a lot of music. But I agree, I think the Superman theme is his best piece of work. I just, really? Yeah, no. I just no. I I think it's brilliant. Like like Chris says, it's just it. I don't know. It just gives me the some kind of feels that. Mm. And I don't get me wrong. Star Wars is great. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of my favorite films ever. But that piece of work sometimes it just pops into my head when I've got nothing else. I'm thinking of nothing else. It's just sometimes it's just the Superman theme mm. or something like that. Um, I think it's the thread of humanity behind it because Star Wars is well, Superman's fictional. I know he's not real. But with, <laughs> with Star Wars, you know, it's very fantastical, sci-fi, blah, blah. But with Superman, there's just a hint of a lot of humanity to it and the core mm. messages. And I think that's why it resonates more than other film music for me. And that one's 
it's you know, like I said, it just hits a nerve and it's it's just wow, you know. That's what if I could fly around the world seven people, I want that as my theme tune. You know. But say if you're having a bad day and you're feeling a bit down, just put it on, it'll lift you right up. It really does. Yeah. I great. really like the build up of it as well. Yeah. Like it doesn't hit the the theme until it's the like the it does send chills on my spine, even though I'm not the world's biggest Superman fan as a character. That theme is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I see. You were talking about Man of Steel, and I can't even. It was did Hans Zimmer do this Man it of Steel? Was, yeah, it was. I can't even think of it in my head. Not that as a not a massive fan of the film myself. I can, I can, but it's not as memorable as the John Williams's version. Hum a bit. Go on. Um. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> that was it that was perfect <laughs> yeah that is, it's not quite as good is it because I'm da, thinking da, da, about da. the bit no it's nowhere near as good but I'm thinking about the bit in Man of Steel when he has his first flight as Superman and it's like yeah. you see his fist against the snow and it kind of the music does swell around him and it it does act, it does sound very good at the time but I think I know what you mean it. I think another piece you mean yeah mm. it, it works for that Superman I think it that, does yeah. it does and obviously that, that okay. new generation of heroes, you know, I think the old Superman thing is very comic bookish, very triumphant, you know, Superman, da, 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 all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. If you have that nowadays, it'd be like, that's a bit, that's a bit cheesy. You want something a bit more, uh, you know, all that modern stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you're hundred yeah, you're answered right, to be honest. That is, that's true. That's a great pick, Chris, to be honest. I didn't even think, yeah. Wow. Okay. But d- d- does the film live up to the music, as in the first Superman film or any of the Superman films? I think I think they do. It's you know, it, it's one of those films where you can easily say it's dated with everything, the visual effects, the the core messages in it. But there's something timeless about what the man stands for and what the film, in a way, stands for. And I say you can you can pinpoint those moments to Christopher Reeve, you know, a great actor, and he for me he is. Superman, you think of him when you think of him, like the kiss curl and everything, the the suit. Uh, yeah. But I said the the music just goes along with that. It just makes everything in the film work. You take away the music, maybe it wouldn't have been such a a big, you know, thing. I'm not sure. But you, you marry the two up, and for me, the music makes Superman what he is in some way, or makes yeah. him more grand, makes him more. You know, heroic for me. Yeah. yeah. That's a good pick. Reese, number two, mate. Um, so I had a few choices for this one. Um, um, I went for one that I saw when I was in the cinema when I was, I think, age 11, maybe 10. Okay. Um, and I watched it recently for the first time in many years. And I was blown away with, by how good it was. And I'm going to pick the moment when you've got Kira Knightley as Elizabeth Turner. And she is on The Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. And all of the pirates she's been kind of hanging around to suddenly become skeletons. Yeah. Wow, and then Captain great. Barbosa steps out into the moonlight and mm-hmm. says, You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. And the feeling that conjures up right now, I've got chills this saying that line again. It's just such an iconic, memorable moment from that film that really takes a film that was already very fun and enjoyable up to a next level for me because yeah. it's just such a cool idea. Um, and the, the way the whole film kind of dre- has just a big swashbuckling, adventurous theme. Especially for an 11-year-old. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, terrifying. And um, I also like 
it's kind of linking to that. I watched it the other day. I was impressed with how you know well that holds up as well. You know, seventeen years later. I watched like, it. A, I watched it last night. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's. It, I would say it's slightly too long now, but yeah, mm. I was saying. I was saying. I, I can believe how well it still plays and how the special effects still work. Yeah. Um, and I always like the entrance of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow on the boat. I think that was yeah. my. But yeah, that scene you're talking about when it first uh, they first show that they're all skeleton crew is uh, mm. it's, it's it's really good. Yeah, I like, talking I like... about like you know how it holds up. Sorry, mate. How it holds up is the the bit towards the end when Jack Sparrow becomes spoilers like a skeleton <laughs> again temporarily. Yeah, and then he and Barbosa have that fight, and the fight goes in between Moonlight and Cave Light. Oh, yeah. And the fact they kind of change for, they change from skeleton to human back and forth for a good period of time. Yeah. That's really impressive to me. I think it looks seamless yes. yeah. when you watch it again. It's not even made to be a big thing. It's, it's just so natural. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Like, wow, that looks really good. Definitely. That's got really good music in it as well. Oh, it does, yeah. The score that. Yeah. That's the, to me, it's a little... I always get that and for some reason. Gladiator music muddled up. Don't oh, know no. why. There's a reason why, because this, it's both Zimmer... And yeah. the main Paz Caribbean theme is very shockingly similar to one of the Gladiator songs. Oh, good. Like, just... if you listen to it on YouTube, honestly, it's identical. <laughs> oh, that's why then. Yeah. Are you going to uh... sing a bit, Reese, for us again? <laughs> it's why, well, you know the bit? It's the. Perfect. That bit is very similar to the Gladiator part. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting. That, that is amazing. I think we should just do a whole hour of you just doing songs, to be honest. <laughs> Sending your request now. Yeah, we yeah, are ready. Yeah, tweet us, jumpcast underscore. Uh, yeah, no, not that one. That was still suspended. No, no jumpcast underscore is fine. Oh, jumpcast is fine, yeah. Jumpcast, Sorry, I was yeah, thinking about yeah. jumpcast online, under, mm. underscore online. Give us... Yeah. Oh. Give it back, you bastards. Um, <laughs> it's annoying me every day. That Yeah, that's a good pick, Reese. Is that Was this your wild card? Um, yeah, that was my one that was kind of a bit more left field. Um, no, it's maybe not like instantly iconic, you know. But I d- I don't know from the age you were when you saw it that I can see why that would stick yeah. in your head a little bit more. Definitely. Um, yeah, because that's it's such a fun film. It is. Uh, it's kind of lost its way now in the other films. Mm. I think yeah. I think they I think they all have their moments, but that one is the most solid of the five of them. Well, I never saw it after the third one. I oh. kind of checked out at that point. Um, okay. But then I, I only heard bad things about On the Street of Tides and Salazar's Revenge. Yeah. Oh, what? Dead, dead, dead Man, no, Dead Man Tales, tells No Tales, yeah. whatever it's meant to be. Whatever that one is. They had two different tiles, didn't it? An American one and a British one. Yeah. Mm. I'd, I would say the, the last one's actually, I quite enjoyed it. It, it had more of the spirit of the first the one. first one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you like the first one, then I would, I would say go check out the last one. But yeah, well, on Str- Stranger Tides on... didn't didn't work. No, well they're both on Disney Plus, I think. Yes, so I might give that a watch. Yeah, we're doing them. I'm making my way for them as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. That's that is a good pick. Yeah, uh, that's a good. Pick. I'm gonna go because I can't get for a whole podcast without talking about Star Wars at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm gonna, yeah. So I'm gonna. T- I think I might have spoken to you, Chris, about this on our Star Wars podcast. But I'm gonna go for Empire Strikes Back, nineteen eighty. Uh, I, the reveal of Luke and Vader, mm-hmm. the the no, I am your father line, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big moment. 
<laughs> Slightly, yeah. <laughs> I can't, and I can't imagine. Oops, I'd sad oh, spoilers. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, again, this is. I, I did warn everyone, but I can't. It really annoys me that I can't remember the first time when I watched this. So I, the first moment I learned that was a thing, yeah. that that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Um, and I think it's just a brilliant setting. Uh, Luke, Luke getting his hand cut off as well. And Vader, at that point, I think it was the first time we've seen Vader actually put up a decent fight because yeah. the Alec Guinness fight is was quite simple compared to what comes after it. Um, it is. And the setting in, what is it, Sky City, and I just fucking love it, really. Mm. With the lightsaber, lightsaber battles are always cool anyway. Mm. Um, and this is the first time that you've these two have faced each other, isn't it? And it's been building up to that point for like two films. Yeah. Um, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I fucking love Star Wars. And that's um, probably one of the most famous film twists of all time. Yes. If not the biggest one, along with Icy Dead People. Spoilers, but yes. I didn't say what I thought was, so that's not a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. But yeah, this is, for me, it's just... The first thing I think about Star Wars, I probably think about this, this scene. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of scenes from Star Wars or... From all of them, the prequels, the sequels, the what are we call in the new trilogy, just the new trilogy, the sequel trilogy. Oh, the sequel trilogy, such a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but this is the one that resonates and that I remember uh, mostly. It's just, it's the most Star Wars Star Wars clip there is, if that makes sense. Because you're in space, they're fighting with like uh, lightsabers. Uh, you got John Williams Williams's score. A swirling around them uh it's good versus evil and there's a massive twist in the middle of it which i probably didn't wouldn't have saw coming uh the first time around because really, uh, yeah. i'm stupid mainly <laughs> but, no, i am used for guessing twists did you yeah did, did you see that one coming when you first saw star wars because you haven't used is that the first time you've seen it uh, recently reese is it you that's only just watched the star wars films like oh not only just i've watched the original trilogy in university, so about 10 years ago. Um, but I do remember I knew um, that he was Luke's father before I watched it. So. Yeah. Um, what about you, Chris? Have you Were you surprised when that happened? Not, I wish I worked like you, though. I can't remember when I first watched it. It was a long time ago. I think it was on VHS, but I can't. I think it was 97, 98 with the re-releases, special editions. Um, but I can't remember watching any of them i know i did but i can't remember the impact i had but i wish i did because like i said you know pre social media and all that nonsense back when it was a simpler time in the 90s and stuff but like i said you know there's watching it now there's no big clues no obvious hints that are dropped and then it's just no. boom you know it's like oh okay the music comes in you know luke's face drops you're thinking what it's like what your father no but um yeah it's a great little moment just dropped in there you know Sorry, did you say you're his father? And it just all goes to pop from there, really. But like I say it's been spoofed so many times and referenced so many times in things and twists and whatnot. Such a small moment, you know, resonates galaxy wide, really. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Ad lib as well. And I, th- I, I think that moment, as well, in some way, I know it's not the script defines it, but that almost seemed to resonate through the films of 
keeping things in the family within Star Wars. Everyone then had to be related yeah. or someone's half-brother, stepsister, uncle's aunt, clone daughter. So it's like from Luke being the son of the evil you know, Darth Vader, that twist worked. So let's have other twists, other people related to him and her and whatnot. So, you know, and then drop it in two films later. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about superhero films at some point. Um, so I'm not going to pick Avengers because I think that'll come up later with the Twitter um, conversation. So I'm going to go back to one of the f- earlier kind of films that did start this whole boom. And it's Spider-Man 2, specifically um, when Peter slash Spider-Man stops the train after the Doc Ock attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he kind of shoots all his webs across the city to try and stop it. And then he gets stops it. And then he gets kind of um, crowd surfed back into the safety of the train. And then all of the train kind of collectively agree not to reveal his identity. Mm. And that is, first off, very emotional. And it does also, a bit like you said with Chris with um, James Bond, it does summarise Peter Parker as a character. Mm-hmm. Because he is just a teenager in the films. That's easy to forget with Tobey Maguire playing him. Um, but he is very much still a young kid. And they all very much were thankful of what he did for them and how he risked his entire life to save a train of 100 people. Um, from their deaths and I think that is such a nice touching point moment um, for the character and for the at least the first two Spider-Man films anyway yeah yeah. Um, I just feel that um, Spider-Man 2 and that scene when he stops the train um, is pretty much you know iconic for what Spider-Man represents as a character and what he means to the city and it's also it's just filmed so nicely um, and it's just such an emotional moment for the character that it really, really pays off and it really works and really defines who he is as a little kid trying to save the day. So that's my mm-hmm. pick. Spider-Man 2 saves, uh, stops the train. What's your next pick, mate? Pick. Number three, um, my f- final pick is um, when, if you think back to um, when we were much younger, so I was wanted to get a superhero film in there somewhere because I'm a bit of a film Twitter normie in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, but I was I wanted to avoid Avengers because I think that'll definitely be everyone's favourite. So I thought back to when I really kind of fell in love with superheroes, and this was back in uh, 2004 with Spider-Man 2. And my moment that I picked from Spider-Man 2 is the moment when Spidey uh, stops the train after his fight with Doc Ock. Right. Um, and he really kind of strains himself and he really forces the train to stop and then after he's successfully saved the day all of the train passengers kind of uh, crowd surf him back into the train and keep him safe and sound but his mask is off and a kid has found his mask elsewhere and they all kind of agree collectively to keep his identity safe because he's still just a teenager and I think that is such an emotional moment um, for the character for the film for the two films that came you know in that sequence of films there it's just an amazing moment that really still resonates today because you know having a secret identity is so important to a superhero character and Peter Peter Parker is so you know tied to New York and the fact that New York after he's spent so much time saving them they are now coming to his aid and you know they've got his back as a bit of a thank you for saving their lives I think it's just a lovely moment and I I always think of that as one of my favorite superhero moments of all time Thank you for staying with us. Uh, thank you to the support of Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffins, Hugh Addison, Orla Smith, uh, Peter Hodgkins, and Chris Wilson. If you are interested to become a Patreon, please check out 
our website at junk up online uh i believe there's three different tiers and they're all ryan gosling related so chris can get really excited about that uh, so thanks chris um and thank you reese uh, until next time everyone uh be safe uh follow the guidelines and all that jizz jazz uh, and thank you once again bye